engagement needs also trust. Uh, engagement needs also understanding of the value of that end user when they sign up to us. Welcome back to another episode of the Innovation Roundtable Insights Podcast. That's Serge Hermans. At our workshop hosted by Philips in Amsterdam, Serge discussed the role that emerging technologies play in enabling new personalized solutions for consumers. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Serge. Welcome to this, um, this interview. Thank you. Could you just uh, start the interview off by explaining exactly who you are and, and the role you occupy? Absolutely. My name is Serge Hermans. I'm the head of innovation for the business group Personal Care in Philips. Uh, so we create uh, shaving devices, razors, electrical razors, uh, female uh, uh, hair removal devices, uh, uh, and these kind of uh, devices. Yes. And... Um, how I normally start these interviews off by asking quite a broad question mm -hmm. in terms of what does the innovation framework look like for Philips in the larger picture mm -hmm. and how does your role exactly fit into that? Yeah. So within Philips, uh, um, um, we have actually three areas where we, uh, where we look at. We look at uh, idea to market, uh, market to order and order to cash. Uh, idea to market is all about developing the value proposition for, uh, for our end user. Uh, and delivering it also to the market. So really see if those value propositions are uh, making sense uh, in the market. Um, market to order is actually all about um, creating campaigns uh, to, to sell the devices uh, and the solutions actually uh, towards, uh, towards our end users. And order to cash is, is very much into the um, industrialization of the products. Now I'm uh, very much in the I2M space uh, and there, of course, it's quite a broad space because on the on one hand, you are really looking at consumer insights and uh, looking at the pains and the gains of our end users and then try to uh, create uh, seamless, frictionless solutions for our end user uh, to use typically at home because we are a, a business to consumer and actually more and more a business to individual. And that's all about creating those value uh, propositions. Yeah? I showed that in the presentation in the keynote. Uh, uh, that we are also changing our approach there eh, from really first time right uh, to a more interactive and co-creating uh, way uh, of, uh, of really validating these value propositions. Now, once we really see that there's a problem solution fit, product market fit, we start industrializing and mass scale up those devices. And then we are in a different era area sorry, of, uh, of our processes where you really meticulously make sure that the quality is extremely right uh, when we launch a physical product. Of course, the, a solution also contains an element of uh, engagement platform, an element of a digital service, typically. And that, of course, evolves over time in the hand of the end user because you can do software uploads. So on one hand, um, uh, we develop very strong hardware products in a maybe old-fashioned way, but in a stage-gated way, but we really want to deliver that quality. And on the other hand, we use the lean startup, but also the lean, uh, skilled, agile way of working to iteratively uh, improve the solutions uh, at home for our end users. Yep. And uh, I want to extend a bit on your presentation, because in your presentation you said that the knowledge gap uh, within working in innovation is growing bigger, and you uh, noted four key pillars in that. Uh, yep business model innovation, ecosystems, ecosystems, emerging technologies, and uh, the consumer expectate or the customer expectations yeah, yeah. are shifting. Um, so I just want to extend on those four pillars. 
Um, in terms of emerging technologies, we are at an event today which is all about AI, quantum computing, and other emerging technologies. Um, how do you know in your role and at Philips um, which emerging technologies you want to focus on? Because there's so much hype and so many buzzwords out there that you can easily get lost in that whole navigation space. Absolutely, absolutely. No, so um, we start with the consumer in mind. Eh? So we, uh, we, uh, we are obsessed with the end user. Eh? So from the end user, if you say, well, I need to obtain, uh, for instance, this data, skin data of a person to bring a better beauty routine uh, to her or a beauty solution to her, then we start with the consumer in mind. If we then say, okay, we need um, this data from that end user, we start looking at, okay, which technology will provide us that in a convenience of the home of the end user, of course. That's, that's the consumer starting point. Of course, we also look at uh, the total field of emerging technologies and see if there is, uh, can, can you be triggered by those emerging technologies? Say, Ooh, but actually, for instance, AI, we used to always struggle with uh, getting sensors in our devices because sensors are quite expensive in a, in a fast moving good, large volume device. If we then see, oh, wait, wait a minute, AI uh, or deep learning or machine learning is really a way via vision um, to also get the same uh, data from, for instance, the skin of a human being instead of having those sensors. So it's on one hand very much looking at the end user, but there's also, of course, always a technology push to see, hey, um, are there technologies that can fulfill and bring something that we didn't have before? Now, looking at... Um, uh, of course, the fourth industrial revolution, just to hook on to that one, has uh, a broad spectrum. Eh? You, you look at uh, quantum computing, uh, blockchain, uh, artificial intelligence, robotics. You cannot step into everything. Mm. Eh? For instance, uh, quantum computing is, of course, in extremely important. If you look 10, 15 years ahead and you really need that computing power uh, for your modeling, etc. For our personal care environment, um, that might not immediately be something to rally behind. Uh, AI very much, yes. Adaptive systems like uh, robotics, but then more in an adaptive systems uh, terminology, yes, very much. So we really look at all those technologies and say which one does solve a problem for our end user or of course a problem for Philips, um, even as mundane as driving down cost. Um, but it's of course being very much up to speed with what technology does and really understanding what it is. And we don't want to be in those buzzword environment where we say uh, AI every uh, now and then, and at this event I actually do that, but, <laughs> but really understanding what can be done and uh, that it is not a, um, a hollow statement. Yeah? So uh, deep technology understanding is something that is of course uh, the heritage of Philips and, and, and if you have that, then you can make a distinction between what is right and what is actually not uh, useful. Yep. And uh, going back to what you started saying about the, uh, the end user data and the customer data and so on, which you delve into, how, um, because of course there are, there are certain things in this whole disruptive innovation space that customers can't articulate that they have a desire for. So I guess that the technology push aspect is also a way of, of moving into the more latent needs or how do you actually look into uh, the unspoken latent customer needs? Engage, engage, engage. So um, the last decennia, and that was because uh, simply uh, the industry was like that and, um, and technology was not available, we shifted boxes over the counter eh, via our uh, uh, retailers. Eh? So actually it, it was a business 
to consumer. Uh, because if we do the research, we do business to consumer. But at point of sales, it was a business to business. We sell to media market or to Walmart or Walgreens, uh, Costco, and, we, and they sell the products for us. And the registration rate can be better of persons that we really engage with. Now we really turn that around and we are turning that around even more in looking at consumer engagement. Yeah. So really understanding, getting that uh, engagement with that end user, connecting with that end user, really listening to uh, his or her needs and then transact on it. Yeah. Of course, uh, engagement needs also trust. Uh, engagement needs also to have a um, understanding of the value of that end user when they sign up to us. So if they subscribe to our uh, social channels, if they, if they subscribe to our, let's say, product registrations and to our services and solutions, they need to see that value. And that's, uh, I'm uh, myself a, a consumer, so I only do that when I see the value behind it. So it's up to us to bring that value to that end user. Um, of course, at the same time, you need to start small in connecting with that end user, start to know that end user better, and then transfer into the higher levels of engagement with that end user. So it's not a, people do not buy in immediately into a complete ecosystem. They first see, okay, this is a nice uh, solution. And then within that solution, we can um, uh, be more relevant to him or her to uh, let them make a next step in engagement and of course maybe subscribe to other services uh, etc that are relevant for him or her. So latent needs of course we do do the classical uh, consumer uh, research very much. We do that as a starting point but more and more we want to engage and even almost co-create with the end user um, uh, to bring better solutions that are relevant for him or her. Okay and are there certain methodology because I um, I take it that it's very much at the front end of innovation where you're very much engaging with, uh, with consumers to figure out what are their desires. Uh, you spoke about it about a bit about it in your presentation, uh, but are there any certain methodologies that you use in engaging with customers and also scaling uh, ideas up from there? Yeah, uh, two things. Uh, one is front end innovation where we really do not know the problem solution fit, let alone the product market fit. There we use tools as concierge test, uh, and pre-totyping where you actually do not have the product yet but you want to see if the pain and the gains of the end users are really there or not and that is, that is really connecting with that end user and uh, exposing them to a uh, similar value than what you have in mind but maybe not embedded into a product for instance if you look at um, uh, shaving yeah, so I like the example that I gave that if we feel that guide, if the hypothesis that guidance helps men to improve their shaving performance, then you can make a huge algorithm and spend a lot of money in it. Or you do a concierge test where you sit uh, together with, let's say, 50 men that come to our office and you guide them and measure if the shaving performance is better. So you didn't implement anything, but you see, well, actually that hypothesis was true. Yeah, so um, uh, that's a very important uh, element to it. So th that, that is the part of tools that we use in that front end. And that's nothing special for, uh, we didn't invent that because these are the lean startup tools that you can find in any book, but you need to apply them. And um, what Eric Ries uh, uh, said uh, many times, uh, of the lean startup, he says, okay, the first half part of my book is about those experiments. The second half, which not many people read, is about statistics behind it. If you talk about conversion rate, you, you really need to be meticulous in understanding if the conversion rate from one proposition to the other is really the conversion rate that you are looking for. 
Yeah, so the statistics again comes back. But that's the front-end part. Of course, we are not only engaging with our end users and learning from our end users in the front-end part uh, with new uh, proposition, but also the proposition that in the market, you really need to uh, um, keep track and listen to your end user. That's very important. Uh, let's, let's move away from Phyllis, but for instance, to Spotify. Uh, th th that's a service that people use every day. I'm quite sure they will be using A-B testing like any, any, uh, anybody in the industry to really see, okay, if I do this or that, what will be the biggest conversion rate. Uh, those are tools that are now, uh, we should embrace them, we should use them, and we should uh, uh, apply them to our uh, area of expertise and our area of uh, consumer uh, uh, field. Sticking with this uh, customer focus point, uh, you talked a bit about, as one of the four key pillars which I'm concentrating on in this interview, about shifting customer expectations. Could you tell me about how exactly that affects Philips? The shifting the shifting customer ex uh, expectations? Yeah. That is, uh, yeah, so they, they are really um, uh, influenced by other industries and of course we influence them again as an industry uh, and they are expecting uh, uh, a lot. Eh? So a, a very simple example is if you tomorrow fly to the US and you have uh, Wi-Fi on board, you think, well, that is really cool, I can do some uh, WhatsApps, etc. The next time you are in the same plane, you think, hmm, Wi-Fi, but I want to see my HD video content of Netflix. So the consumer expectation continuously raises and pulls the technology. So, and that, that is very nice to see. Um, for us, it influences a lot because, um, for instance, registration. You cannot have a registration process that is tedious. There you have to type in serial numbers of your uh, products into a, uh, a website field, which is too small on your iPhone. People don't buy that anymore. They throw away your product like that from a perspective of registration. And then again, you don't have engagement. So people are getting used to seamless, frictionless experiences. And very much that influences us. And we like to be on the for, uh, forefront of it. We uh, educate those uh, end users and we um, influence those end users uh, that they also uh, demand this from other industries. So yes, we are very much influenced by... Uh, the end user expectation that is growing exponentially and we like it because we also have the same uh, view of that uh, uh, seamless experience uh, goal that uh, that we and the end users uh, uh, need to see now we've spoken quite a bit about the end users and uh, they also play a vital part in the overall ecosystem uh, but you also spoke a bit about other players that um, that you need to engage with in the in these connected ecosystems yeah. could you just briefly um clarify you know what uh, what are maybe three or four of the key ecosystem players that you're collaborating with yeah, yeah so my uh, my talk focused focused a lot actually only on the personal health slash personal care domain yeah, I want to bring it close to home yeah, because the experiments we did in this uh, area of course Philips is a big company and we are a health tech company so uh, in health systems yeah, we have three other clusters in health systems um, we have different ecosystems at play, of course. It's a business-to-business, -business, uh, also business-to-consumer, business-to-patient, but business-to-business -business, um, uh, area. And there the ecosystem uh, is different. So I will restrict myself for now to the personal health, personal care environment uh, to answer your question. Uh, but ecosystems is super important in that quadruple play on the health system side as, uh, very much. Now, within personal care, personal health, um, yeah, we are of course looking at uh, improving people's lives and, and deliver to them um, solutions to increase their 
healthy looks. Yeah, so it's all about healthy looks. So a little bit of health, uh, but very much about appearance. So ecosystem players, I will not elaborate on partnerships eh, because that's, that is confidential. Uh, um, but you can imagine that if you look at personal health more in a, in a health element to it, of course, um, Apple is an important player eh, with the Apple Health Kit, uh, Research Kit. Um, uh, their play is very important. Um, that is from a maybe proposition point of view, but also uh, consumer engagement point of view. What you see is that we also partner very much with retailers and e-retailers. So we really want to, together with our e-retailers, um, improve the solutions of our end users that land on those, uh, on those uh, uh, platforms. So very much enabling partnership, uh, yeah, that's about technology partners, uh, engagement uh, partnership, that's about the, the retailers. Um, and of course ecosystems, we, things that are not core to us, we should not again uh, develop. So uh, with HSDP, Health3 Digital Platform, which is our cloud solution, of course we use a, uh, AWS uh, within that environment as well, because you don't want to create um, commodity, uh, let's say commodity uh, technology blocks that are out there. So via open APIs, we need to collaborate. That's then technology enablers. Um, teaming up with, um, let's say, other ecosystems to create a value proposition that is bigger than your own value proposition. That's, of course, from a value proposition point of view, teaming up. Um, I cannot elaborate too much on uh, with who we, uh, we, 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 we work. Um, um, but uh, yeah, we really see those distinctions between enablers and value proposition consumer facing uh, partnerships. Yeah, and I want to connect two of the two of these pillars that we're speaking about now in ecosystems and business model innovation. Because when, when you speak about the two ecosystems and, and business model innovation, you often think about platform business models. And you mentioned, for example, collaborating with the, the apples of the world and so on. Um, is um, is building a platform business model a focus point for for Philips? Or are you more looking into leveraging other platforms? No, no. So uh, if you look at SaaS, eh, uh, uh, we look at beauty as a service. We look at uh, uh, everything as a service. Because obviously, eh, um, bringing your propositions to the cloud or to the edge of the cloud is, ex is an extreme enabler. And also make sure that you can cooperate um, better with others eh, because your services uh, can uh, can expose uh, again those open APIs. So we're moving from shifting boxes and hardware to solutions, to services as a solution. Eh, um, and services are of course in our domain, uh, personal health, personal care. So very much yes, uh, the answer is that we, uh, that, that we look at, uh, at ecosystems and at um, um, cloud platforms. Uh, where, of course, we work together uh, with others. Because, again, in that cloud, we want to only develop functionality in the cloud that is specific to us, where we are unique in, where we can make a differentiation, and where we can help the ecosystem say, okay, we know everything about skin, so we bring uh, a skin ecosystem, for instance, to, uh, to, uh, to, to those platforms. And collaborating with others that have other capabilities, we bring that, uh, that service alive. Yes. How does it affect a large traditional company like Philips when moving um, from a very product-based uh, business model to, uh, for example, servitization and other business models? 
it, it changes in a very positive way that we have that engagement with that end user so we can really help him or her further with their needs and their, and their uh, dilemmas. Eh? So uh, the, the, the connection with the end user uh, is also enabled by those subscription models. You can offer a more personalized uh, service uh, in that sense. Of course, internally, uh, but that, that, that is a change which we, which we are working hard on and we will overcome. It's of course, yeah, your business modeling looks different. Eh? So selling a product, you immediately get the income. So uh, having subscription, it's a different uh, way of income. Uh, also, the tooling behind it uh, can uh, uh, needs to be changed uh, on subscription um, uh, models. We're working hard on that, and uh, we made. Uh, I think we are almost there in in really having solid uh, tools and solid um, ways of dealing with these different business models, eh? because they they are quite uh, quite different. Um, so I, I don't see. Uh, a huge problem there. Of course, the again consumer obsession. Are people willing to subscribe to a certain uh, service? And not everybody wants to subscribe for uh, pens. Eh? So a uh, pen is very cheap. Why would you subscribe to a pen service? So that is really the most important part. Eh? So consumer insight. Are people? Are we really enriching the lives of people with that subscription? Can we have people that otherwise could not buy? our high-end devices, could we give them access to that great peak performing product in a subscription way? And of course, we say products, but we mean actually solutions because only products, eh, like I, I indicated in my, in my keynote, it's about that solution, about that personalized frictionless solution. And then subscription access over ownership seems to, uh, seems to be uh, uh, in some areas uh, what the end user really expects. Internally there are changes and internally there, there, there of course we have to, but with, Philips is really uh, known for being able to cope with changes, so uh, there I don't see uh, the challenge. Yes, and that is maybe when I connected to my ne next question, because being able to cope with changes, one thing I noticed in your presentation was that you said that some companies choose to go down the route where they have set up separate radical innovation units, yeah. which is geographically located yeah. somewhere else. Um, but you had chosen the opposite route, which is to deal with radical innovation within the core organization. Um, could you just describe, because it's one of those questions which we often get at yeah. many of our events, um, the core benefits for you in doing it in this way? Yeah. And I'm talking about, again, a personal care environment, eh, just to scope it, eh, because we do have examples where we, where we spin off a little bit more rigorous a venture eh, or a new business creation within Philips. Uh, but, but our main energy uh, in our company of personal care, again, is to get the, the brilliant people that we have with the business acumen, with the deep consumer insights, uh, with the deep technology insights, to have those people transform, and transform is a big word in that sense, but let them um, be part of that new team setup and that new process of lean, agile um, a way of working, where you have self-steering teams that are empowered to uh, make learning loops. Now, if you do that, then A, uh, these brilliant people uh, transform into that new uh, way of uh, working. Of course, the teams that arise have the deep knowledge of the domain, which actually do not change that much because we, are all, we were always already consumer Focus. We were deep consumer focused, but the way 
how you get the information from the consumer is different. The value that we see for the end user is different. Um, but the core insights we, we, uh, we, do, uh, we do have uh, after the decennia of creating our products. Now, also the organization then, as a total, moves up in understanding, let's say, digital, new processes and, um, and new emerging technologies. Um, because you cannot have a big organization be left behind um, and not innovate uh, in these areas. Because then you get an organization that is that is that never experimented, that never got a chance to to really um, leverage those new processes and new technologies. And then, yeah, you you can uh, imagine what then happens with such an organization. So we truly believe to transform the whole organization, um, uh, continuously transform it um, towards this new digital age. And I make a, I don't like the word digital too much because it's such a broad uh, term, but it's about embracing new ways of working, uh, embracing new team setups, embracing a new way of interacting with your end user, embracing the new level of value that we see for the end user, uh, not only products, but really creating uh, a total holistic value for that end user. Uh, and the whole company has to move towards that. Yeah. And Serge, so, I want to round off the interview by asking, I started off the interview by asking a very broad question. I'm also going to do the same for my last question. Um, we'd like to get a kind of a personal feel for what is your key lesson learned or key takeaways from the current role you sit in? Start with the consumer first. Consumer obsession, if you are business to business, start with the business that you serve, uh, consumer obsession. Personally, persistence, uh, transformation, you need to be persistent. Uh, and and be mindful that the transformation needs to stick. Transforming and standing and, and having big stories about digital transformation, but then don't transact on it and don't, let's say, define the structure behind it and the processes behind it and be persistent for years and years and years to make it stick and continuously learn and pivot. That is something that uh, in my role uh, I, I cherish a lot. So start with the consumer, look at your staff, really look them in the eyes and, and, uh, and um, let's say give the permission to fail, give the permission to fail, and that is not saying, oh, you can fail and then still say, mm, you failed. No, the real permission to fail, cherish the teams um, and be persistent. And again, about failure, I think failure per se is not okay. I mean, failure is simply not okay, like I said. Failure due to be sloppy, uh, if you are sloppy in your experiments, design of experiments, if you are sloppy in your work, then failure is not okay. If you set up an experiment to test the hypothesis and the hypothesis seems to be not okay because you thought, well, actually I thought this end user would like this, but it is not, but you did it in a very structured way and you learned, then failure is okay because you learned and you can pivot to maybe the final great uh, value proposition. So be vulnerable as a leader, be vulnerable as an organization, try things, uh, embrace the people that have to do it because it's not easy to transform and keep always the end user in mind. That's super important. No own fairy tales about what the consumer might like. Test it, validate it with a great team. And with those words, I want to round off the interview. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. You can find our show in most podcast apps. Subscribe for free to get the latest episodes. The video and the transcript of this podcast and all of our other exclusive interviews can be accessed via innovationroundtable.online. 
The Innovation Roundtable online network is your portal to a wide variety of exclusive content, including video presentations, interviews, insights reports, and articles. Not only that, innovationroundtable.online is also a place where you can connect with thousands of other corporate innovators, share experiences, request collaborations, and gain inspiration from your peers. Our network is exclusively for innovation, HR, and marketing practitioners in large firms. So visit innovationroundtable.online to discover more and request your 15-day free trial account.